podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Minefield podcast from Anfield Index Pro. As always, I am your host, Alan O'Donoghue, and my partner in crime is with me, Mr. Andrew Vincent. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm, uh, I'm excited and a little offended. And I'm a little <laughs> offended because I, you've gotten so tired of hearing me talk that you have booked a slate of guests for us to have over the next four weeks. But I'm excited because you've done an excellent job picking great people and great topics. So I'm looking forward to that even if it means I don't get to talk as much as I'm accustomed to. So I'll sacrifice some airtime for all of these great ideas that you got cooking. I'm, I'm glad because I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a nice guy, so I didn't want to say it to your face. So I said what I'd do is I'd try and be subtle about it. And listeners, this is what we're planning for the summer. We have sat down, racked our brains in terms of how can we get Andrew, just stop talking. Possible. <laughs> yeah, and we've come up with some fantastic topics. We've got wonderful guests, and we are delighted to be joined from the Ivory Tower, I believe, <laughs> Dr. Phil Barter. Phil, how are you doing? Welcome to the Minefield Podcast. Uh, how are you doing, fellas? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm in the home at Ivory Tower today, but um, yeah, uh, uh, the you're in the West Wing. I'm in the West Wing. Yeah, yeah, it's slightly cooler over here. You guys in the UK will get that. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And we wanted to kick off with you, Phil, because you posed a really interesting question in the Minefield Discord channels. And listeners, if you're not in the Minefield Discord channel, Get in there because it's very fucking quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you're not in the Minefield Discord channel, then you're like everyone else on the Anfield Index Discord. <laughs> you're winning. You're winning. But, uh, Phil, you kind of posed the question around, you know, how do we manage clicks in in a squad? And how, the, how you can use that to maybe improve performance, but also if there's a negative element to those clicks how does that impact performance and i suppose we're taking it from the frame of the season that's just been passed and there's been lots of comment in the media with from players and among fans about whose fault it is and where the problem lies and right now it seems to be still fsg's fault for a lot of people but what we want to do is we want to dig into the the impact that clicks can have because as myself and andrew will regularly say and and you guys actually say on the UP is that these are human beings and they read, they see posts, they see what's happening around them and how that can be managed. And I think for me, it's one of the probably the biggest challenges that's facing Klopp is actually maybe breaking down some of those clicks. So I suppose I'm going to throw it to you. Where did that question kind of come from and from your experience have you seen that happening within clubs and in across the board in in established uh groups yeah for sure i mean that, that question came from a twofold really i think it's it's well known that Klopp operates a leadership uh group as he calls it um and there is also the uh south american spanish those kind of Lads form, lads, you know, players form a, form a group because it, it makes sense in terms of family, background and culture. Um, and then you have other groups that form normally along lines of nationality, uh, language, I think plays a key part in this. Um, and experience playing to each other with it, with each other at different clubs or levels or internationally. So I think they form, but sometimes 
from my perspective, looking at that, they can also sometimes veer into the click thing, you know, because that all sounds nice. And you can see where I've been a coach and you can do that and you can bring a new player in and go, look, why don't you buddy up with them and that'll help them. And the whole rooming thing, remember we used to do that they used to pair up rooms to help with the newer players. And there is an element, and there's an element to when you're signing top uh, players from your South Americas, you, you know, your, your Spanish speakers, your Portuguese speakers, that you've got that familiarity with, well, they'll, they'll welcome into your family. You can spend your time there. You know, Addison, Fab, Bobby, all benefit from having a very extended uh, family right so but i think as we've i think uh, like a lot of things we say in up people are humans and it does matter when stuff goes wrong that group if it becomes too big can then that that can seep in because they are a human they're not robots they're not just go out and play and forget about well my mate has been dropped for two months you know for no reason it that and i think like a lot of things in sport and i think you guys have said it Everything's fine when you're winning. When you're not winning, questions come. And uh, I suppose my question was coming from largely that perspective. We just come off the back of, let's be honest, the shambolic season, where a lot of older players are leaving. It's going to reset those leadership groups. There is a potential to remove some of those clicks if you want to to reset. Uh, and, and I would hope to see performance improvements. But yeah, I suppose that's where I was just batting it around with something with you guys, with your with your knowledge of the theoretical concepts that link that, because I don't have that. I know from experience that it has a massive impact. I mean, I, those who know me, I've, I've been a coach at different levels, not to size experience on UP, but it's particularly in female sport, it's huge uh, to, to manage that. Or from my perspective, it was always... Like this, this almost to some days you you've just got to take the hit and go. I've got to play them because of X, um, and that might not have been the best performance choice. But you'd hope that by doing that, you'd get six others that would perform to twenty out of ten, and it would carry a weaker player. So and you don't want to be doing that. And I'm not saying that exists at Liverpool. Please don't take me that way. But it's just it's different ways of managing uh, the clicks, and it can have a negative impact. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Absolutely. And no, I spoke too much. But yeah. a really fascinating question that you posed and it got me thinking. Um, and... Andrew, I'll come to you because, you know, to take your perspective um, on Phil's question. But I, this is the, for me, this is the concern I have with Klopp. Um, because he traditionally hasn't shown an ability to break up the click. click. And as much as we hate mentioning him, it, it ultimately is, I think, one of the the best things that Alex Ferguson was able to do. He no, he was the main man and there was no room for anyone to, for a click to take over. And I don't know, again, I'm not saying it's happening at Liverpool, but from the outside looking in, I, I was concerned, very concerned, and Andrew, I think we mentioned this the last time, that... There was talk coming out that Klopp wanted to keep James Milner there, um, which concerns me in terms of maybe he doesn't have that strength or ability to break up that click. But I think this is the summer for him to do that, and if he doesn't, maybe that's the time to have the questions. But Andrew, I'll come to you from from your perspective. What's your take on Phil's questions, and and how would you look at it? I think first of all, like I appreciated Phil starting with. Like there's a difference between these cliques and these groups. 
right? And like within any healthy team environment, you're going to have some groups of people that just gel with each other more than others. And especially when you get into professional sport, you know, you have these age ranges and these differences in experiences and these difference of backgrounds where, you know, it's, it's fine that the 18 year olds are going to feel more comfortable with the 18 year olds and the 28 year olds aren't necessarily going to be best friends with the 18 year olds. Like I, I think the ideal that everyone should be equally friends with everyone and it should be a total, totally open environment is unrealistic. It's just not how people work, not how sport works. And so then, you know, you have these groups that's important, like especially away from the game. Like you've got to think, um, this is their job. So they have a whole life away from the, I almost said rank because I'm so used to working with hockey players. No, we're away from the, away from the practice facility and away from the field and the pitch even. Um, so they've got a whole life away from that. And like, yeah, it's totally fine then that the people who you're working with aren't all of your best friends away from the game. That's actually healthy too. And so just as a starting spot, having subgroups within a team is fine. Um, where that becomes more challenging is when exclusivity starts to play a role. So maybe that could be interpersonal exclusivity. So like if you have, I feel comfortable with Phil, but now that Al is getting all these guests on, I don't know how comfortable I feel with him, right? Like if I feel like um some people are supportive of me and some people aren't supportive of me, or, you know, I can air my grievances to this group, but you know, if I bring that to the leadership group, they're not going to hear me and understand me. They're going to kind of shut me down. You know, now if it's not, it's not just like, hey, these are my friends, but like everyone is accepting of me. It's almost like there's some animosity towards me here. Things can start to get a little bit tribal. And that's when things can start to get bad, right? Is if there's disagreement within two different groups, between two different groups, right? And, um, like that creates conflict or, you know, power imbalance too. So like regardless of interpersonal exclusivity or not feeling comfortable, like if there's a big power imbalance where you have this leadership group, right, where there's a lot of power, it also maybe doesn't help like if that leadership group is predominantly English or um, predominantly of one nationality, like you start to then have one group that has an inordinate amount of power. And now if there's disagreements sort of against that group or between that group, like it has different kinds of consequences, which create ruptures in the team because unfairness is a big deal. And so, you know, if there becomes a sense that not everyone has an equal say or not everyone's voice is being heard and there's unfairness that exists, that's going to create conflict as well, the extent to which that stops like the overall group from pulling in the same direction is then problematic. And so if you have a group that's pulling this way, so like, um, you know, Phil mentioned a decision a coach might have to make between do I pick this player so I don't get the whole click mad and create an issue or do I pick the person who I think is going to perform the best? And if the coach is asking them that self, themselves that question, you have team issues. Because that means the group is putting the goals of their subgroup and the goals of their clique above the goals of the team. Like if, if a group can't handle the fact that the manager is picking this player because they think it gives the best chance to win, then it's like, okay, like you've got some issues now. Um, so that's the big thing I would say is like the subgroups become dangerous once they limit the capacity of the overall group to pull in the same direction yeah and i do think if if we look at i think it's just he's just the best example if we look at alex ferguson's career at manchester united he would regularly get rid of a big player every season or two and it was it was almost like a this is to show you all that it doesn't matter who you are. You can be the captain. You can be the best player that we have in the team. We will get rid of you. You can you can be the biggest star in the world, and we'll get rid of you. It doesn't matter because the the, the team is the most important thing. And if we if we look at it from the perspective of Klopp. Like Klopp is a human being, he's a nice man, but I get the impression he likes being liked. 
And he likes being liked by the media. He likes being liked by the fans. He likes being liked by the players, I would say, as well. And that's not saying that he can't be a hard ass and that he can't, uh, you know, take them down a peg or two. But I do, I do wonder if he has the, that ability to say to the main click, the leadership group, okay, Jordan, you're sold. Virgil, you're sold. Uh, Mo, you're sold. Like, thanks very much. It's nothing personal, but we got to move things forward. And that feeds in directly to the conversation, Andrew, we had last time when we had talked about the captaincy. For me, that's why I would actually give the captaincy to Trent rather than anybody else because Mo is in that leadership group. VVD is in that leadership group. Ali is probably skirting on the edge so maybe I'd give it to Ali for a season or two and then have uh, Trent as the vice captain but then I'm not a big fan of goalkeepers being captains anyway um, and it's nothing against goalkeepers I just I prefer my captains to be in on the in the centre of the pitch but that's why I think what you're doing is by by making that decision and I think that when when Gerard got the, the captaincy from Hupia not that there was necessarily a falling out but that was a changing of the guard and it was Sammy, you know, this is how we're going to move and you can come with us or we'll find somebody else and it's okay. And Gerard took it on and re- and established a brand new culture. And we we could get into Stephen Gerrard and the kind of culture that he created. But uh, Phil, your take on whether you think Klopp can actually make those decisions... It's it's one I've had for a, for a while as well because from the data perspective, his captain has been dwindling for eighteen months since one title, so his his place in the side, to be frank, hasn't been warranted for a period of time. So, um, and there's also other elements where I've been concerned from the human point of view is you've taken a player off in a Champions League quarter final before half time not use them again. Brought them back in when you were desperate, bin them off again. And then it's it's the same player as well, you know, um that those kind of things worry me, concern me, because of the impact that, that player's friendship group, you know, he, uh, Nabby's one of Nabby's best mates with Mano. So, you know, you so that those kind of elements feed in and and, I, and it has been a an interesting thing, which is why I was really pleased when the club said, No, we're not renewing Milner's contract. A uh, bit of the baseball analogy. I can't remember the guy who ended up getting all the players sold out. I'm from under him to force him to play the players that they bought. But anyway, I'm sure Andrew can correct me on that. But it's it, there's a general, a famous general manager. But um, it and that's I felt that almost started to have to happen for Klopp because otherwise he'd keep playing these players. So it'll be interesting going forward to see what happens um, whether he can do that. But because I don't think he has shown any of that because bar a few periods of time. Henderson had played a lot of games for Liverpool Football Club this season. And yes, people can argue about injuries to other players and yada, 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 but there has been alternatives for periods of those time. Yes, there's been alternatives when he has been the only one, and that's fair, and I accept that. But there there hasn't been. Champions League final in, in Paris, we were chatting off Mike. Um, prime example, the run-up to that games was bad Thiago Navi. Yet for that final... Navi gets dropped, and they go to Brighton. It's those big things happen matter to players. You know, guys, they are humans. They want to play in the big games, and if you're continually not picked in those big games, it affects you. Um, so the other thing I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind chucking out to you as a, as a thought is if what in the leadership group also has an alpha, and said alpha's performance drops off a cliff. How does that impact, do you think, from that perspective? Because that, I believe, has also happened this season. Mo's not in the leadership group, by the way, just to say to you. Okay, so that, that clarifies that for me. Then. So maybe we could give the captaincy to Mo. Um, <laughs> Andrew, do you want to jump in and answer Phil's uh, teaser there? Yeah, well, I, I think there's different, you know, kind of... Um responding to that and then also to what you said Al like um, there's a couple different ways to create stability within a group right and so 
you know, you talked about Sir Alex Ferguson is like, I'll sell whoever the next in line is. Like as soon as someone starts to get powerful, I don't mind selling them. And that's a way of establishing my dominance, right. And creating hierarchy. And so, um, having one powerful person at the top supported by sort of a secondary subgroup that creates some like really clear stability in hierarchy, but it's very top down is what we would say. Like I was watching, um, I don't know. This is a weird example. For some reason, I was watching a YouTube video about Genghis Khan last night and the Mongolian empire. And it's like the way they did power through fear, like was wild. Right. But like created this huge, like Pax Mongolica and this period of peace for a large part of the world that allowed for a lot of advancement temporarily. Um, so not that Sir Alex Ferguson is Genghis Khan, but, um, the other way to do it is like more of a bottom up approach, which is like, if everyone feels heard and everyone feels like their voice matters to some extent, then that also can create some stability. That's more complicated because when you have a large group of people, especially in a team where it's hierarchical, some people are being picked and some people aren't, not everyone is going to get their way. But when you can have a situation where people at least feel heard, feel like their opinion matters, feel like their effort matters, and be able to make peace with the fact that when I don't get my way, it's for the better of the team, which I'm willing to put in front of myself, then you can have some stability there. I think what we might be seeing is that the stability that Liverpool has experienced while we were winning, maybe with some combination of those two, right? Is there's a really strong leadership group that set the standards and that was clearly in charge and that also was performing for a time at a level that made it comfortable for them to have that level of power. Um, Klopp, I think, is more of a top-down leader, to be honest. Like, I think he likes being liked, but I don't really like he think he likes sharing power. Like, I think I he likes to do things his way. I think he's got his advisors. He takes their voices seriously. But from a lot of what I've heard, it's not, you know, he's not opening up the suggestion box every Monday morning to see, you know, what are the ideas kicking around and let me really integrate these, right? And so I think you have, on the one hand, sort of a top-down hierarchy, which when you're winning and when that's really effective, people are willing to put up with the decisions that maybe they wouldn't make themselves because it's like, okay, like I would have played this person instead of this person or I feel like I should be playing now, but we're winning, right? And I've talked to a lot of players who this is the case, like... um Mentally, one of the hardest positions in the world is backup keeper or goalie. I work with more ice hockey goalies, which we call them goaltenders, but whatever. Um, because you never know when you're going to get a chance to play. And even if you're performing really well, it doesn't necessarily matter. And like sometimes we'll have people who, you know, I'll work with people who are like, hey, I know I could do what the number one is doing right now. I think I could do better, but we're winning. So I'm not going to get my chance. I know that that's comfortable for me. You lose a few games or there's a couple shaky performances, that person gets unsettled in a different way. It's just how it is. And so I think, Phil, what you said early on is like how losing starts to open up the cracks. Like, um, you know, now people who had disagreements to begin with feel more justified in being a little bit more vocal or being a bit more frustrated. And so I think at the same time, you have this leadership group at the top where performance-wise, they're not able to do what they were. So it's like the top of the hierarchy is weakened, the bottom of the hierarchy gets restless, and you have some instability that's going to naturally occur. And it's not like everyone appeared to be totally at each other's throats. Like, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like, a little bit of frustration and animosity can create plenty of problems. Um, but yeah, like, I think kind of on both sides of that, there seems to be issues, plausibly. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. 
and then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, and I think we also have to take into account the culture and society that we are growing up in and that people are growing up in now. So um, if we go back 20, 30 years, there was authoritarian figures were the norm. So you're, when I was in school, the teachers would absolutely slap the head off you if you did something wrong or they'd throw a duster and bounce it off your head. You know, people generally were afraid of the, the authorities because, again, you could get a few slaps if you were up to mischief and parents were more open about giving a kid a clip around the ear so that'll learn him and he'll never do the, do it again until tomorrow, right? So in society, we have shifted dramatically away to uh, to towards a situation where people's mental health and talking about your mental health is really, really important. And it is uh, a, a voice that we're, that is has to be taken on board. And I think sometimes if we look at it, we are dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds who have grown up in that era where um, fairness is actually something that they should be aspiring to and that they deserve as a human right. And maybe those at the other end of the age scale, they may have been coming at the tail end of that, look, just shut up, be quiet and do as I tell you. So that can come into play. And I think, Andrew, you, you're actually hitting something really, really important. And it would be how I would approach things if I were in Klopp's shoes, where I would name everything, uh, but put weight in what everybody has to say, no matter their position within the squad. So I would sit down and I would say, right, we've got an open floor here. We have clicks. We have um, a, a leadership group and they're not always right. The young guys are not always right. We need to wipe the slate clean here where everyone's voice is given the same level of authority and ultimately I will be the one who will hold the space and I will be the one to take the learning from because that's my job and that's my responsibility. And if I get it wrong, I get it wrong, but I'm going to give you all the space to have your voice heard. And I think that is the the way he can do it. And I also think that's why a good, strong sporting director in place and a club saying to Klopp, okay, you just deal with that side of things. We will bring the players to you. Make your suggestions of who you'd like, but these are the ones we're going to bring and suggest to take that weight off your shoulders. Because if we look at the downside to the Ferguson era, when he left, the club was absolutely rudderless. And remains rudderless 10 years later. So if I was in that position, that's what I would do if I was Klopp. Andrew, or Phil, sorry. Did we answer your question? Yeah, I think this, I think you're right. I think you, that's, uh, I hate the fact that Ferguson was brilliant in this, by the way, just to say, I'm not a Closet United fan for those wanting to know, but the fact that he basically got, he got rid of Robson, Ince, Stam, three massive alpha males and their captains. Uh, it's pretty much at its prime as well to reset that dressing room. It says it, it absolutely gives you the evidence of exactly what you just said. Out, you know, it's that's that's what I think's been missing from us for a while, um, and I hope you get that. I suppose that the bit about the alpha male stuff is interesting because I think there's also you guys probably correct me wrong, but there's, there's going to be an element of frustration with that top group, right? You know, if they're not performing to what level, they're going to be annoyed with themselves. They used to be going out, rocking out eight, nines and tens every single week. No one questioned them at all about their levels. This past season, some of them haven't been anywhere near a six. And yet, they're having to front up and be the leadership group. And yet, you get the youngsters going, mate, you've been shocking. What are you doing? You know, it's that'll happen. That'll happen. Some of it will be banter. 
But it seeps in, doesn't it? And if you're around the guys, two training sessions a day, the whole week, then you got a game, you don't perform, you get another week of it, that's going to seep into you. Um, so yeah, I think it's, and, and I think this, this clean state you've chatted about, I think hopefully happens this summer. I think that's why they're going away. They've binned off a lot of the, um, commercial side of the pre-season that they had to do last season. So they've got a concentrated, from my understanding, two solid weeks away as a group with the new signings. So I think have those frank conversations and say, look guys, do you want to win the league? Okay. This is what we need to do. And I think they did that in 16-17 and then we had three years of monumental success. And so, you know, even from from your knowledge, it sounds like there's a realisation. And I think that's the other side of, of things as fans looking in is we can see... Uh, things from our perspective and go, he should be doing this and, you know, why does he not see it appear? Uh, and, and does he not see it? But that this is, this player's playing poorly or why does he not put this player in? Like, how can Cavallo just disappear? And, you know, how can Curtis just reappear and Ox disappear and reappear and Naby reappear? And dis- They're working at such a high level that it's very difficult to, to turn the ship around mid-season. And only uh, you, I, I think you get two types of managers with with this. You get uh, a Mourinho or a Conte who will just go, "Fuck this! I'm either going to quit, or I'm going to get myself sacked." So because uh, you know I can't be arsed, or hopefully a Jurgen who goes, "No, I am actually committed to this, and I do think we can do it, but I do need to look at myself and look at my failings as in in terms of the the whole structure." and hold my hand up, even just to myself. I don't even have to tell anybody else, but even just to myself and go, this is what I've done wrong, this is where I've made a mistake, this is where I've made a mistake, and what can I actually do to get the supports in place so that I don't make those mistakes again? Andrew, yeah. you, you look I like did. you're poised there to jump in. i got to get my minutes in here, you know? Like, we got to guess, so i got to make sure i get got enough words in. Um... Yeah, I think adding a little bit, Al, to like what you said about the blank slate, the other thing I would have that group do is like elect their leadership group. You know, you can, Jurgen can then pick the, the club captain and the team captain or whatever from that or captain and vice captain or whatever you want to call it. But like let the players elect their leadership group. Um, that's, that's what I would do. Like you've kind of named this a rebuild anyways. You've got one of your primary leaders in Milner leaving that's the opportunity for them to do that. And if Jordan Henderson's on the outside of that, he has to come to grips with that. Right. And like, um, that's just the reality. And so I I don't know if Henderson would be on the outside of that or not. Like, I don't know what the players within the club think, but like, um, you know, if he's in it, great. But if he, but like the players should have some say in electing what that leadership group looks like. That's super important for finding that balance between, Right, because we're talking about kind of the top of the pyramid and the bottom of the pyramid. And getting everyone's voice heard sorts that bottom of the pyramid out a little bit. Like everyone is like, okay, my voice matters. I've had input into this process. But then you do need a, a top of the pyramid too. Like having some sort of hierarchy is important for decision making and execution of different things. But you need to make sure then that that top of the hierarchy is representative of the bottom of the hierarchy, or at least feels like everyone is invested in listening to that group and everyone is invested in following that group. And if that's what happened this year in some ways, and I, you know, I'm speculating a bit, but the top of that group lost credibility where the rest of the pyramid doesn't feel comfortable following them or feels like, no, I'm not following them. This isn't working. And I'm frustrated with this and I'm not being heard. The fact that Mo is not in that leadership group is disgusting. Like, I can't wrap my head around that unless there's a whole bunch of things that I don't understand about that team and that group and who speaks and why and what Mo is like interpersonally. And, you know, I don't know any of that. But, like, the fact that he's not in that leadership group after the amount of time he has been excellent for us and held an incredibly high standard is wild. So if ultimately his teammates didn't put him there, that's one thing. But I don't know. Like, at some point, um, that can't just be Klopp's decision about picking who's here 
And maybe it works differently, right, when Klopp comes in at first and there's some clear people who he identifies as already having a lot of power who are well-respected. Put them in that group and run with it, fine. But, like, at some point, once there's disruption in that, I think the elected thing is important. I don't know how common that would be at a really high level. Um, they they did do it at Liverpool for a bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have any idea about this last season, but I know uh, Ginny, VVD, Hendo, and Milner mm-hmm. were certainly the elected uh, members for a long period of time. Obviously, Ginny's yeah. not been here for two years, but um, yeah, from my understanding, and I'm happy to be corrected, Ron Moe's not been part of that top top group. You know, he's still a senior figure, obviously, but he's not. That's why he's never captain. Because the, the captain has to come from that leadership group. So the on-field captain will only be one of four players. So I don't know if that's something they elect every year. But yeah, I, I th- they must do. But I just haven't heard it in, right. a, in the last year. But, yeah. um, it's still wild, right? That uh, certain players are there and not others. Yeah. And and that's where the interpersonal stuff may come in. That you know Stuff that we don't know about necessarily. But I do think as well... The, the there needs to be younger voices in that and what's been interesting in in terms of the press that i've seen over the last couple of couple of weeks is kanate is becoming a lot more vocal about you know his place in the in the team and his or his his place as in liverpool and you know even if turam does come in how he's going to help him and how he's going to bring him in like I found that really interesting, and maybe I'm reading more into it than there's there. But it, it's almost like he's getting ready to step up into that leadership group and say, hold his hand up and say, "I'm ready." Yeah, can I just that. say yeah, go on, go on. that I love? This is not something like an American sport where, like, I feel like you see it. People go to like international duty and then do these interviews where they just say all of this stuff that they would never have said <laughs> when they're with their club. Like, I don't know that I'm used to that. So I just I love that as a feature of. Uh, of football, it's like all of a sudden you're back in your own country doing an interview in your own language, and you got a whole bunch of stuff to say. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was going to say actually, because I, I agree with you guys. I said I said in the chat, those that haven't been there, go and have a look. You can check that I've said this, but I would I'd put Trent as maybe captain or vice for next season. But the other person I, I was actually going to suggest was Canate, because I think if you look at that that group that's growing, uh, you got a language potentially coming in. You, if Turin comes in, that's a that's a French speaker. There are other players that are linked that are of, of French speaking. So there's there to be interesting, and I think he's he's got a growing stature. The issue is he's he's still got an injury record and he can't play but a certain number of minutes. So that that's always going to be a bit bit of a problem. Um, but no, I I would think that's a fairly sensible suggestion for him to join that group next year. Well, I would hope so, um, and. I think, like we're saying, this this is the the perfect time for that transition to not transition, but shift in 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 terms of the power base. It has to happen. Like we, you know, Canada is what twenty four. You've Trent, yeah, twenty four, twenty five. Um, they're probably the only two. I I I don't believe the likes of Jada and Diaz are established enough within the squad. To, to really be able to step up into that that position and because of the the injuries that they've had as well but those two I think would be the the, the natural ones I wonder about Trent's uh, ability to step up um, and maybe go shoulder to shoulder with uh, his countryman uh, in in Jordan Henderson I just wonder because he's always been there like so Trent has grown up with Henderson being in the club being the captain I would hope that he has the confidence in himself and the belief in himself that he would be able to say look Jordan step aside buddy you know it's time for me to take the reins but I just I don't know if if it doesn't necessarily come across like that um, that's a problem if you can't it, though right it is well it, it, it is a it's a problem if he can't, if that's who the other players are looking to, to step up and take it. But if he can't do it, uh, well then, Kanade is clearly holding his hand up and saying, I'm ready. Um, and 
I'd love to know where Ali fits in all of this. I have a theory on this, actually. Okay, yeah. go on, go. And on. I also want to say, like, the players know. The players know if Trent is someone who can stand up to handle yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, no, they no. just know. They know. So, like, they're not going to pick someone who they don't think would be able to do that. Like, if they think that's he's not ready for it, I think that's part of why it's important. Because even better than the coaches know, the players know. Um, my theory on Allie is I think often when you get groups, there are certain players who are sort of like, as people... I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Just like above the whole thing. And like when I say that, what I mean is like there's a certain power that they hold just in their ability to be self-possessed and their capacity to play at a really high level that like um, you almost wouldn't make that person captain because they're having the responsibilities of the logistics or having to speak when they wouldn't necessarily speak diminishes that power. There's like an aura to some people where it's just like you know that person is powerful and has important things to say whereas like if Ali speaks up everyone's going to listen to him no matter what he doesn't need an armband to carry that power he doesn't need an armband to be listened to and I think sometimes when you give that person the armband it doesn't add anything like that person's already so well respected within the group that they have their impact regardless. And I think sometimes like the way people like that know to wield their power and manage their power is, um, what's a good way to put this? It just has more wisdom to it, which I think sometimes giving the captaincy like almost undercuts that. And I think like it's the difference between, you know, maybe the amount of energy it takes to be an alpha male kind of leader where you're constantly defending yourself versus being the kind of leader who it's like, you just know, like, I don't need to defend myself. Like, you know, I'm just going to do my thing. And almost effortlessly, you end up being at this really high level. And that's sort of how I see it. Like, I think he's got so much power that it, so much respect. And maybe that's different from power, except that the two are often, there, sh there should be overlap in an ideal world. So I think he has so much respect that in some ways giving him the armband doesn't shift anything in the overall hierarchy. Here's the pyramid. Here's Allison. Yeah, that fits. That, that, that fits. That, yeah, and and if we look at it, he has been throughout the season our best player. I had as big an impact as Mo has, if not more so. Um, so I feel anyway, hands down. I think Mo running very close second, but I think for consistency throughout the season, Ali has absolutely had like that like you're saying Andrew maybe it's he doesn't need to have it because he just has that aura and if you, if you look at I sometimes look at the top level teams and they don't always have the best player as the captain and maybe it is for that exact reason that you're by giving the captaincy you're adding an extra layer of responsibility onto them that they maybe don't respond as well to or don't want or they, it, it does diminish the impact that they have on the pitch. Like Gundogan at City. It's not KDB. It's not Haaland, you know. Um, and 
across the board. Like you'll see it. Hansen was not the best player for Liverpool. Um, Roy Keane was not the best player at Man United. Tony Adams was definitely not the best player at Arsenal. So there is something around that not giving that responsibility. And I wonder, I wonder how Mo would respond to having the captaincy as well. And would that actually take away from his performance levels? We don't know. Um, and, and maybe he'd like the opportunity back in. Like, and he's just not been given it. And, and we can't answer, we can't answer anything about that. But I suppose, Phil, to bring you back, you've been involved with sport. And I know at younger levels, we will normally give the captaincy to the, the best player. And that's how, how it works. But we have to remember, dealing with, say, a bunch of 12 or 13-year-olds is not all that dissimilar to dealing with a bunch of 26, 27-year-olds <laughs> when you're the coach. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, in your experience as, as a coach, how have you managed those clicks? Sometimes with difficulty. Uh, other times, I think I've tried to do player votes, uh, to be honest with you, because you get instant engagement from the squad then pretty much from my opinion anyway if you if you ask for votes on and you go for advice and a captain you, you get an instant kind of right they are my guys and you're behind it and you go for it uh, and if something's happened for me I've always had, I'm a fan of having frank conversations with, with groups and say look we're here to win aren't we these are our priorities these are our objectives of the team um, and this is what we need to do that do you feel we're doing you know that kind of conversation and that sort of sorted things out and you hear that a little bit uh, with Liverpool and Klopp they've had a, a lot of meetings this season about that a lot of meetings particularly around Block 2 Block 3 where things were literally were just horrendous so um, yeah I think it, for me I'm a fan of that the, the voting system for the captain anyway uh, but I'm also I'm not a big fan of captains it sounds weird because for me title winning season BVD was the captain he might not have worn the armband, but he was the captain. He went out, gave us 9 out of 10 every single week, and we didn't lose a game with him on the pitch. And he didn't wear the armband for most of it, but he still... So for me, there is that there is that aura about it. And I often... And I, when I've picked captains, I've looked at that and gone, what's the influence? I've done the voting thing. But equally, it's about... That effect on their game is actually quite a key point, you've said, because I, I do wonder... Say BVD for example, because he's lost a bit because of his knee injury, has he got that capacity to play at this level and still be captain, or is all of his mental capacity now need to be used up to play nine out of ten? Does that make sense? Like there's a there's a thing, isn't there, where you worry about the team and you can still get rolled out an eight or a nine, whereas if you can't do that anymore, you you can't do this. So, and that's something I've looked at with lower level, not, I mean, Jesus, I've never managed players like VVD, but you still look at it and go, have you got the capacity to do that? Have you got the thought process? So anyway, that's just, just my uh, ramblings on the topic for you. No, I think that's really interesting. And I, you know, I think the other but, thing that comes to mind too, like, um, you know, to what extent is it like kind of an English thing? And like an EPL thing, and I think about American sport and who ends up being captains in American sport and how visible and important that is during the game. And like, it's not, to be honest. And like, you know, in, in hockey, the captains talk to the refs and like you expect them to do some work off the field in terms of like organizing the group and talking between periods. But like, um, I don't, it's not nearly, as important as like within the culture of soccer, at least within the EPL, like it is so, it is such a talking point and like, it is just not often seen as being that important for performance on the pitch and, or on the rink or the ice or whatever, like whatever you got going on over here. Like I, you know, baseball teams have captains, but like, do we ever know who they are? Like football teams have captains, but usually it's just the quarterback or someone like that. And like they take the coin toss. Right. And so it's like, um, it's interesting how much emphasis is put on it. I don't follow enough Italian football or German football or French football to really know what the culture of the captaincy is within there. But I know like like within 
the EPL, it is striking how heavily emphasized it is. And I wonder if that's sort of overstated as a little bit of like a cultural thing, just its impact. Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, guys, unfortunately, we got to wrap it up. Andrew, I think you'll join me in your reluctance even to say... <laughs> we'll see if I'm on the roster, right? I'm going to get my click <laughs> after you, though. I got my boys yeah. ready. If you, if you, you guys are going to start a click. That's right. <laughs> <me go. laughs> it's only three of us, so if I get to them first, then I... <laughs> I do want to take a moment to say, Phil, thank you so much, one, for posing the question, but two, joining us on the Minefield podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Talk for another hour easily, but unfortunately, life is getting in the way for all of us, so we do have to head on. And maybe towards the end of the summer, we'll have a another little get-together, and we'll just see if there's any kind of shoots of anything positive coming out of LFC. Sounds good. We'll definitely have videos of uh, sing-alongs or whatever it is they do with the new people. So, they'll, you know, we got some new signings, so I'm ready for LFC karaoke. And maybe we can just talk about that, you know. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. And subscribers, thank you for your ears and for uh, allowing us to bring some guests on. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back again very soon with another guest to shut Andrew up. Until next time. Look after yourselves. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.